when they actually start doing the collisions, it's going to be very exciting because we're truly taking a step into the unknown here. We have never actually done this sort of experiment in this detail before. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens and it's going to be really interesting to see the results coming out of this machine. What everyone's hoping for is that the first stage of getting the beam circulating will go as smoothly as it did last year and then we'll be able to move on fairly quickly and without incident to having beams going in opposite directions and colliding. The LHC launched in 2008, but part of the accelerator ring failed within weeks. The LHC was cooled to temperatures colder than outer space, the machine was started up for the first time, and the final checks of the beam tunnel were being made. It was a world first. Dr. Bruce Kennedy is part of a team at the Rutherford Appleton Laboratory that designed one of the LHC detectors. What was meant to happen was that CERN would fire a beam through the accelerator in one direction, make sure that all was well, then fire the other beam through in the opposite direction, doing those two things separately, and that went remarkably well, I think much better than anyone had really hoped. It just took a few hours to do that and achieve success. So the next stage was going to be then bringing the two beams together so that they could circulate together and then actually bring them into collision. But before the beams were ever brought into collision, just two weeks after the start-up, disaster struck. Particle accelerator engineer Dr Dan Faircloth describes what happened. What actually happened was it was a connection between two of the magnets. These magnets are 15 metres long. They are held at minus 270 degrees C. Each one has 10,000 amps flowing through them, which is an incredibly high current, and they're superconducting. That's how they can allow this really high current to produce these hugely powerful magnetic fields required to bend the beam. And there was a little bit of superconducting wire connecting two of the magnets together, and that developed a little tiny resistive region which meant it stopped being superconducting. And it was actually a spark in this tiny little interconnecting region where they hadn't planned to have such a huge failure and the pressure release valve couldn't open in time and the pressure rose and it popped basically and over a tonne of helium was dumped into the tunnel. In the space of about one-third of a second, this enormous release of energy created a powerful explosion. These magnets weigh between 20 and 30 tonnes, and the shockwave was enough to move some of those magnets sort of half a metre or so off their, off their mountings and really completely disrupt the operation of that part of the ring. Uh, so it was a major incident, and cleaning it up took a long time, what also took much longer was going round the rest of the, the, the accelerator, checking all of these interconnects and making sure that this couldn't happen again. So that's a lot of the work that's been going on over the past year or so in, in getting back to where we'd hoped to be 12 months ago. Scientists are now restarting the machine after over a year of repair work. The goal once again is to get two beams up to speed and collide them. Two beams of protons, one going clockwise, one anti-clockwise, be brought together at four points around the, the circle of the ring, um, where they all collide. And it's the collisions between the protons that give us the information that we try to gather to understand what's going on uh, at very small scales in the, the elementary particle world.
Dr. Dan Faircloth works at a particle accelerator called ISIS at the Rutherford Appleton Laboratory. To start with, the first thing you need is something to produce particles, which is one of the areas in which I work. You need an ion source, and it's essentially, think of it just like a spark. And a spark produces the particles. We then take them and we push them faster and faster with electric fields. And all the time we're trying to make them go faster, we also are having to focus them in, and we focus them with magnetic fields. An accelerator is, is, is basically a whole series of different bits of equipment that progressively push the beam faster and faster and faster and faster until we get close to the speed of light. These will be the highest energy man-made collisions in history. Each beam of protons will have a total energy equivalent to a 400-ton train travelling at nearly 100 miles per hour. Engineers first use a combination of other accelerators to get the beam of protons up to speed. As the chain of accelerators go, it feeds into the proton synchrotron, then it feeds into the superproton synchrotron, and then only then, after it's got up to 450 GeV, it then feeds into the LHC, which is the main 27-kilometer ring. And this whole process, from the very first accelerator to filling up the main LHC ring, actually takes a long time. It takes four and a half hours. So the, the, the two circulating beams of particles are focused down into a size smaller than a human hair. And when they interact, a hundred billion protons are whizzing past each other in opposite directions, like in a crazy rush hour, they're whizzing past each other. But amazingly, of, of that 100 billion protons, only about 20 hit head-on each time the beam pulses go past each other at each interaction point. When those particles do hit head-on, that is what we're actually looking for. Because when they hit head-on, all the energy that has been stored in those particles by virtue of how fast we've been trying to make them go is then converted into matter. And this is Einstein's equation, e equals mc squared. And all the energy is converted into matter, and that is when we get this amazing explosion of particles. A whole new, different family of particles are created, and that's what we're looking for. New exotic particles in this explosion. The reason that we're going to all this effort and this incredible expense to make two particles collide at such high energies is because this is replicating the conditions that existed at the Big Bang. In the, in the first millionth of a second after the Big Bang, particles were going as fast as this. And we can use this great big machine to create very, very, very high temperatures, essentially, because that's what temperature is, it's particles going very fast, we can use these conditions to study the moment of creation itself. For detector physicists like Dr Bruce Kennedy, the year-long wait has not been wasted time. It's meant that there's been extra time to really put the finishing touches to detectors to do a lot more simulation work so that when things do start up we'll understand much better what was going on. So the time hasn't been wasted. Um, as always, when you're installing a detector to a deadline, 
there are always things that you would like to do, you'd always like more time. So we would like, of course, to have been running and doing physics in this period, but having the extra time to increase our understanding of our detectors, to, to make sure that uh, everything is fully installed, working as, as well as possible, the time has been well spent. And for Dr Dan Faircloth, the challenge is part of the job of an engineer. It takes a 300-strong team to keep the accelerator he works on, ISIS, working 24 hours a day, up to 200 days a year. Well, it's hardly surprising that it didn't all go to plan all the way, because this is a very complicated machine, and the more complicated you make something, the more likely it is to go wrong. ISIS has been running for over 20 years now, and we're very used to um, things going wrong. You have to design in ways of coping with things breaking. The LHC was a brand new machine, and I don't know about you, but whenever I try anything for the first time, it doesn't always work. And so it does not surprise me at all that it didn't work. But we will make it work. We keep trying... We keep working out what went wrong, and we modify it, and we try again. And that is how science progresses, how research and engineering progresses, which is why it's so exciting to work on. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.